Welcome to The Perfect Storm, a bi-weekly podcast for business executives and cybersecurity professionals. Industry veterans Michael Markulek and Matthew Webster chat with guests about the latest cyber news, threats, and trends, and how all of it impacts their businesses. Harbor Technology Group is a cybersecurity consulting firm that offers advisory services to the SMB. Harbor believes by taking a proactive rather than reactive approach to cybersecurity, business leaders can develop a cybersecurity program that will address external requirements, exceed client expectations, and ultimately take their organization to the next level. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. Welcome to another episode of The Perfect Storm. Uh, today, uh, Matt and I are going to sit and have a little conversation about uh, a little bit about the end of the year in cybersecurity, uh, some trends we're seeing for 2022, and just really have a conversation about uh, you know, the state of cybersecurity uh, as we sit here between uh, Christmas and New Year's uh, this year. So I, I think I, I'd be remiss if we didn't start with Log4j. You know, Log4j has been a problem, clearly a 2021 issue, but it's going to drag into 2022. For I, sure. I know you've been looking at this quite quite in depth. So any any thoughts or any comments? Uh, well, it's no way to end 2021. I mean, obviously with uh, COVID raging again and Log4j, it's been less than fun for, for a lot of folks. But uh this is something we're going to live with for quite some time. Um, we're just starting to see the beginnings of, of how the um, how businesses will be, you know, exploited or exposed uh, because they haven't been able to find all their log four J or um, or their vendors haven't been able to patch properly, etc. Um, just so we're all on the same page, people are calling it two different things: log four J, which is the actual um, software package uh, from Java and Log4Shell, which is kind of what people are calling the vulnerability, but I've, I've been referring to it as Log4J. Right. Um, so we've been working with our clients a lot about uh, you know, scanning and making sure they're taking remediative actions, uh, but I, I, I foresee this being a problem at least through the first half of the year um, with uh, more exploits being, um, being perpetrated because of Log4J. Um, Right now, according to the, the the last meeting I was on with uh, with the with CISA, mainly crypto mining right now, which is you know a problem because it's using tying up uh, compute resources and it's somebody that you don't want in your computer using it to do other things, but not a ton of really bad manipulative stuff like stealing credentials, getting remote access. But that's coming. Um, right. Just haven't haven't been. Um, haven't been a lot of hacks written for it. The, the interesting thing here, as you know, is that first vulnerability, I think it's it's ends 4428 is the CVE, um, is like anybody can write a hack for it. Like it's super, super easy to, to utilize that, uh, that, that hack. Um, so there's been a, a couple of iterative patches on top of uh, that initial, initial problem with the, uh, with the Java um, library. So we're, I think we're going to continue to see those issues into the future. So, I mean, 
not that this is a bit of advice podcast, but if there is a bit of advice here, make sure that you're you're doing scanning, you're talking to your vendors, uh, and that at least, at the very least, that you're patching to avoid that first version. I think it's twelve point fifteen. That's the problem version. You want right. to you want to get off of that thing. Um, I could be wrong on the, the version numbers, but definitely want to be off the uh, the first version of. Uh, of log4j uh, to, to avoid that, that serious hack. So th I think you agree. We're gonna yeah, de definitely. To we're going to see it. Um, I'm getting a lot of questions from our clients around, um, you know, software as a service, cloud-based services, and, you know, how well they're patching. Everybody from, you know, Zoom to Salesforce.com to QuickBooks Online. Um, and it's really, in my opinion, it's been a mix. Um, some firms have seemed to have been, you know, on top of this. Um, some firms, you know, you know, weren't even exposed to the vulnerability because they're not using, um, you know, those Java components, and then others just seem to be slow to respond. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, as they're, as they're struggling, but I think that's probably going to be the tail end of this: is making sure that all of your third-party vendors um, are protecting the data that you're sharing with them. Well, and you, you know, a little secret out there for for anybody listening: Michael and I spent thirty seconds before we jumped on this to decide what we were going to talk about. And you know what? You bring up a good point. This is not what we talked about. That that third-party risk management, vendor management, um, TPRM, as it's referred to right. by nerds like me, third-party risk management, um, that I think will, especially with Log4j being what it is, to your point, I think that's really going to be a, uh, a pressure point for cyber groups and, and should be for, for small organizations. Our clients know that we push them to, to you know, manage their vendors in a way that they know that they're at least trying to do the right things from a security perspective. But I would imagine that continues to be a problem into the something that people are working on and focused on into 2022, right. and should be a place where people focus. Well, and, and that kind of dovetails into um, you know the cyber supply chain, right? Right. You know, we we saw the physical supply chain um, have some real issues this year, but I think the cyber supply chain that 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 information flow from, you know, doctor to hospital to insurance, uh, you know, and not even that, you know, from a small and medium-sized business, your use of tools like Salesforce.com. If Salesforce.com has a problem, you have a problem. Um, and, you know, it, it's that digital cyber supply chain that I think is at risk. Um, we don't, most organizations don't spend enough time thinking about you know, the vendors that they choose, you know, how do you choose between, you know, Zoom and, and all the other online platforms? And are you looking at security when you do so? Right. Um, what information are you sharing with them? A lot of organizations just take it for granted. Um, and I think that that's definitely got to change because I think that that's a vulnerability, um, especially to the small and medium sized business that doesn't have the capabilities to look at this. Right, right. And, and I think it's important to note here that you know, we this push to the cloud and how so much of this responsibility and um, you know focus can can be taken away from your IT groups or your security groups because it's now you know that your ERP is running somewhere in the cloud or just part of your order processing system like Salesforce.com is running in the cloud, but it's still part of the supply chain for you to, to complete your business transactions. So if it goes away, they they. It's just a computer like everything else, and that may be more redundant, 
But if it has a problem, you have a problem. Right. So just because it's in the cloud doesn't mean it's not going to be something that you need to be concerned with. Um, right, and it, and it comes to the integrity of the data, right? Right. You know, if you're if your Salesforce.com is compromised and somebody's in there mining data out of it, um, you know, if if that data becomes corrupted or or unavailable, right? It, it affects your business. Right. Uh, it affects productivity. So that's a, I think that's one of the things that I would recommend organizations really spend some time with next year is looking at their, you know, their digital supply chain, right? Their third party vendor management. Right. Um, you know, I, I think it's definitely an area um, that, that has been attacked in the past and is certainly vulnerable for the future. And, you know, Log4j kind of, you know, dovetails into that as we, as we monitor that. Well, and as, as, um, also dovetailing off of that supply chain piece, the component of it is something called business email compromise, which I, I fully expect to continue to be a problem uh, into 2022. I mean, we've just heard about some 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 recent uh, BEC, as it's called, um, impacting people in more of a physical way than a digital way, which is really, really interesting. What do you think, Michael? That like yeah. So I mean, I, yeah, I mean, we, we've, been, we've been talking to a lot of organizations um, about business email compromise. You know, it's as simple as um, you know receiving a request to change a lease payment. You know, for a piece of property that you might be leasing, um, and, and that you know getting changed to an offshore bank, and next thing you know, your you know your money's gone. To the you know interaction with the physical world, where. You know, they're asking you to ship goods, uh, right. ship product. Um, you know, you take it for granted that you're dealing with a reputable company. Everything looks good. You receive an order. You know, you send a, a shipment to a physical address. And next thing you know, in, in the process of shipment, it's rerouted. And you're out $100,000 worth of hardware. Yeah. Um, you know, you're out $100,000 worth of, you know, your, your raw materials, your inventory, whatever it happens to be. So it, it becomes a real problem where... Social engineering with cyber hacking digital tools you know, are really making business email compromise difficult to, to find. Right. right. And let, let's be clear when your sales guy gets an order for $100,000 worth of product, they're excited. Yeah, they're ready to close that thing as quickly as they can. <laughs> let's get the product out the door so we can recognize it and I can get my bonus. Absolutely. So it's, uh, it, it, and it's a little bit of human nature that you just, uh, you know, we, we tend to be a little bit over trusting. Sure. Um, especially on things like, you know, conducting business, right? Orders back and forth. Um, and, and I think that the big thing that I took out of that, that example and a couple of folks that we've been talking to recently is the, um, is the social engineering element, right? right. The, real, the real understanding of the target, right? They're, they're going in and making sure that they understand, you know, who the, the vice president of operations is, who the receiving manager is, right? So they're, they're doing their diligence probably once they've got you on the hook. Right. But once they've got you on the hook, they're willing to invest the time and effort to make it a legitimate looking scam. I mean, if you're talking six figures and above, it's it's worth a little bit of time because right. they're, they're making a, a, a pretty penny. It's, it's probably not fair to call it business email compromise because it goes well beyond that. I think... You know, some people in the cyber world probably call it digital fraud or something digital. along those mm. along those lines. It can come in in all forms and, and, and sizes and shapes and colors, um, but it's it's social engineering, 
the phishing, the business email compromise, all of those things just add up to digital fraud. Well, it, it's interesting because it's it's falling in the cracks of the cyber insurance. We I know we wanted to talk about cyber insurance. Yeah, it's falling in the cracks, right? There there are there are components of of you know cyber insurance where you can buy you know kind of business email compromise, right? That that lease payment, right? That that mistakenly gets sent out. You can buy some coverage to cover that, but when you, when you're actually shipping hardware, yeah, um, you know, does the, and it, it, is that digital fraud or is that is that real fraud? Yeah, I, it's a, it's a really good question. It's sim- very similar in my mind to somebody breaking into your warehouse and just stealing it. Right. I mean, you just happen to be part of the. It would be similar to just leaving the, the warehouse door unlocked. Uh, you have to wonder at some point these insurance companies, and I think we're going to see this, are a going to stop covering like they do today. We know this from talking to some of our partners that uh, that play a lot more in this space, um, in the cyber insurance world, that underwriting is more difficult. There's a lot more pressure being uh, applied to larger organizations as they go through the underwriting process to get a cyber policy. So I think uh, as far as predictions for 2022 are concerned, we will see continue to see changes in that in that cyber insurance world. Yeah, I think there's really three big trends there. Um, one is the requiring more in the underwriting process. Um, you know, proof that you have a program in place. You know, proof that you've got you know a, a sound set of controls to protect the uh, right. to protect the data. I think we're also seeing premiums rise. The premiums um, rise. They're doing scanning too. Right, I mean, right. as I mean, and, you have these insurance brokerages or the underwriting aspects of it doing scanning right. using like. BitSight, et cetera, to give a, like a, a credit-like score for uh, what the exposure is for a particular organization. Right, and they're making judgments off of you know scanning websites when that you know and, and scanning your your exterior environment. Um, they're making decisions about your interior and, and your entire program when you could have something like running Apache and have Log4j as an issue on your website. Right. Um, next thing you know, you're downgraded in terms of your insurability right. and your premiums are going up. Right, right, for sure. Um, it's funny, We just I just looked at a, a client's bit site scoring and they, they did fine, but the, the, this particular client wants to be perfect. Uh, in, in a couple of areas, like the results literally made no sense. And I just wonder, this is where I think there might be a use of tools by the insurance industry, which are it's good to do because it does put pressure on businesses to do the, more of the right things, but they also don't necessarily understand the tools they're using. Right. So, it, it it's this is going to be a, a couple of years of kind of hand wringing and a lot of um, a lot of discussion back and forth uh, on between like industry itself and the in the insurance industry on how they uh, how they go about uh, you know insuring. Cybersecurity. A little bit of a uh, precursor. We are recording, or I am recording, an insurance, a cyber insurance podcast to begin the year. I don't know if I told you that. Yep. Um, they uh, that should be a good one for anybody that's interested in listening. So, yeah, and, and you know, one of the things that it's it's really driving is you know organizations are really have to having to look at their entire cyber program. Um, and again, I, I think the rates are going up. I think you know the 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 the, the Underwriting processes in flux, um, and, and you know, coverage whether it fits in digital or, or regular fraud, you know, is going to be an issue. So I think you're right that it's going to be in flux for the next couple of years. Yeah, I, I think one of the other big problems the insurance industry has, 
is they're paying a lot of claims right now. Yeah. They're paying a lot of ransomware claims and they're probably paying ransomware claims they don't need to pay. So when, when I think of things like, you know, we're, we're here in New Jersey, you know, municipalities and school districts that have these large joint insurance funds, when they get hit with ransomware, they're not even trying to recover. They're immediately going to pay and, and get, uh, get the data back. And because it's paid for mostly by insurance, you know, it doesn't seem to be an issue. So I think, you know, one of the other trends that I see next year is that, you know, municipalities, school districts, government entities are going to continue to be high target. Right. And they're high target because they pay. Because they pay. Right. That's exactly it. I mean, is it, I, I, you love analogies, and this is not a car analogy, but do you think it's fair to say that, that you know, how, kind of where we are in the cyber insurance world, especially with ransomware payments, to your point, they just pay. Um, that it's very similar to continuing to build homes right on the coast as <laughs> as storms, you know, wreak havoc. Now they've they've started to get smarter and say, all right, you need to move your your house up ten feet, fifteen feet, twenty feet. These are the things that are going to happen in the cyber world where they're going to m- make it much more strenuous to to get the coverage. I have also heard from folks that there's a belief that it as a program may go away as well. Now you think you've probably heard the same, yeah. Um, I think that's probably a little bit premature to, to start thinking that, but we're not insurance folks, so it's just what we read and hear. Well, I mean, you're, you're paying for extortion. Right. Right. You're buying, you know, you're buying extortion insurance. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that to me does, you know, and, and if it's paying off for the, you know, the criminal, the criminal's going to keep doing it. It clearly is. Right? And, and, you know, I, again, I love the analogies, right? You know, why do people rob banks? That's right. where the money's at. Yes, that's where the money is. Right, exactly. <laughs> why do they charge, you know, why do they target school districts? Because that's where the money's at. <laughs> right. So, all right. So we have Log4Shell, Log4J. That's going to be a 2022 thing, of course. Um, we have uh, digital fraud, business email compromise. We kind of threw in uh, third-party risk management in there as a as an also, you know, come along. Um, cyber insurance is a big topic for 2022. What, what else do you think? Uh, some cyber regulations are probably going to be a uh, an item because we've had a little bit of, I don't want to call it a pause, but a, there's been a little bit of maybe stop pressing down so firmly on the accelerator uh, from uh, regulatory agencies. I mean, I say this and then those that have been hit with any fines would be like, what are you talking about? But I think generally speaking, there's been some, some like HIPAA for a while um, uh, reduced some of the requirements. Now that's that's changed. But so do you see 2022 as being a big uh, a big regular regulation thing? Do you see there to be continue to be more pressure applied by the likes of like state of New York, state of California, that type of stuff? Yeah, you know, I'm not seeing new legislation. So I think, you know, the 2010s, we saw a ton of cyber legislation. Everything from GDPR to Department of Financial Services in the state of New York, you know, the California Consumer Privacy Act, changes in the federal buying landscape, right? Yeah, PCI you know. changes. Yep. So, I mean, just we, we saw a ton of, you know, regulation and industry frameworks, high trust and HIPAA. Um, I think, you know, the, you know, the 2020s are going to be about enforcement. And I think that starts next year. I, I think you know the the enforcement arm of Department of Financial Services, the uh, the acquisition um, auditors in in DoD 
are really going to start enforcing the cyber regulations that they put out over the past couple of years. Right. So I, I, I see the, you know, the next couple of years, you know, starting in 2022, more about um, having, you know, having to comply, right? right? And, and potentially being fined if you don't, the ability not to bid on federal contracts if you're not following the proper procedures. Um, and and I, you know, even things like California um, Consumer Privacy, I think are gonna see a lot more enforcement um, outside of the, the borders of California, right? So if you've got citizen data or consumer data from anybody in the state of California, you're going to have to comply even if you sit in New Jersey. Yeah, it's uh, it's GDPR for California, right? right. Uh, well, it's, G- it's really GDPR for the U.S. Well, sure, sure. Um, because it's, it's similar to GDPR for U.S. companies in general. Like, you know, you, you need to do certain things. I mean, Harvard Technology Group, we took steps like we needed to having a DPA in place and having all the, the uh, stuff on our website, et cetera. And we don't do any business with European companies. Right. Um, so, and we don't have any European staff either. So uh, I think you're right. We will continue to see um, enhanced enforcement of regulations for the things that we've just talked about, like the need for more third-party risk management, the need for uh, better training of staff on how to, how to identify phishing. Um, you know, some way to get companies from an organization from just simply paying when they get hit with uh, with the get hit with ransomware. So I think the indus- the industries that that are regulated, that the the regulators are going to want to want to see improvements um, because it feels like we've we've taken a bunch of steps forward from a cyber perspective. You know, up and down the 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 kind of the business side of the world. But there's still a lot of work to do, right? There's still a ton of work to, to happen. I think, you know, and as unfortunate it is when, when it's regulatory items um, as the, the, you know, the tail that's wagging the dog a little bit, but that may be the pressure that's necessary to, to get or, some organizations to make the changes they need. I mean, CMMC is under, you know, it's Flavor 2.0, um, which is the, a huge DOD regulation. Um, you know, it's delayed for multiple reasons, but I, I, I still think the teeth that are going to come with it, which is if you want to do business with the DOD, you have to maintain a certain level of, of certification. I think that's still going to be a thing. I don't think it's going away. And, and it's and it's the trickle down effect, right? Right. You know, doing business with the DOD is one thing, but selling to Northrop Grumman or selling to Boeing, sure. who's 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 the prime. Um, you know, that's the important part, right? For sure. Small medium manufacturer in you know state of New Jersey that's making gas caps for uh, you know for, for an army for a jeep. Yeah. Um, you know they're going to have to comply, right? Um, or lose that you know lose that portion of their business. And I, I think that is you know what again what I was alluding to. I think that's what you're going to see. I, I think you're going to see the auditors go out after the primes using the CMC case, um, and then the primes really putting pressure on their some suppliers to uh, make sure that yeah, they're they want to Yep, right. I mean, it, it, obviously, it's not a you kind of do it scenario uh, with with CMMC. Either you do or you don't. And if you don't, you know, thanks for all your support in years past, but going forward, you're done. So I think CMMC is not something for 2022. But well, but the, it'll I, continue down that that maturity model. You're going to start to see right. the you know, the regulations that came into place in the 2010s being forced in the 2020s, right. which, is, which, Absolutely. Is, which I think is going to be a kind of a, a, a macro trend for the next couple of years. Right. 
So what else do you see? You have one more for 2022? Um, oh. You know, one of the things that I think we need really need to go back and, and focus on a little bit, and I know it's a drumbeat that, that people get tired of hearing, uh, but it's security awareness training. Um, you know, if you look at any of the any of the breach reports, any of the data that's out there, you know, the human element is still the weakest factor. And after years of doing cyber awareness training, um, you know, whether it be PowerPoints and donuts once a year or monthly interactive videos, I think organizations have gotten a little tired. Uh -huh. um, you know, they, they think that they've got it covered. Um, and unfortunately, it, it's one of those things that you just need to continue to reinforce. Right. Um, and it's that, you know, it's that month, you know, it's that drumbeat. It's the, it's the background that, you know, bad things can happen if you're, you know, going to websites you shouldn't be going on. If you're clicking on attachments you shouldn't click on. If you're opening, um, opening documents, opening PDFs that you don't know where they came from. It, it, it sounds simple, you know, use of passwords. Um, but it's, it's difficult to kind of manage. And For I sure. think we've gotten a little complacent with that. And, and I think if, if I could give any small and medium-sized businesses any advice is that's an area not to, you know, not to back away from. Not to skimp. Right? Lean, lean, lean into that. It's not expensive. It, it, and it does do a world of good to prevent everything from business email compromise to ransomware to, you know, right. just, just loss of data, right? You, right. You, want your, you want your employees to be, you know, good, um, good cyber citizens because if they lose their identity, because of ba bad personal practices, it's going to cost you the productivity of the office. For sure. Right? No, You've been saying that for years. By yeah, the way. I've been saying it for years. But yeah. I one of the things I, I, I think I look at our numbers in terms of, you know, who we're doing awareness training for, and I do see a little bit of, you know, fatigue. Um, for sure. And, and, you know, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to kind of just lodge a, uh, you know, throw a big rock out there and, and, and tell people that, you know, they can't ignore it. And I think, I think... Uh, when you when you look at awareness training programs, um, certainly the the PowerPoint and donuts, as you call it, is not the way to go. Um, it's uh, it, it's not reinforcing the good behavior that's necessary. But at the same time, that that monthly cadence is important. But the, the it, it can't be just click uh, you know click what uh, phishing email you want to practice on and send it to your staff. You need to think about what's what are the trends in the industry. What are the things, and, and time it right so that you know around you know tax season those 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 awareness videos and, and simulated phishing look like tax related things. Right. Or around the holidays, which we're we're in the midst of now, there's gift cards or return this or what have you. It, it needs to resemble what uh, what you know what phishing you know what hackers are going to be doing. Right. So. Yeah, I think that's a good one. So, no, no, nothing overly insightful here. To, to be to be fair, we we think that you know Log4j is still going to remain a problem into 2022. I think yep. that's fair to say. Uh, we believe that digital fraud, business email compromise, will still be a, a, a bugaboo for organizations. And that's it's it's kind of the um, it's it's the problem behind the curtain that that sometimes doesn't rear its head like ransomware in general does uh, because it's it's often dealt with at the CEO, CFO level. But the numbers are huge. I mean, $100,000, a quarter of a million dollars, a half a million dollars is real, real common with these digital fraud things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, I, and it's probably a year, year and a half old, but it's 
Yeah, the FBI said this is a $5 billion worldwide yeah. problem. That's yeah, crazy. Um, so third-party risk management, make sure you're doing the right things with your vendors. That's going to be a big push into 2022. Make sure they're doing the right things, that they are properly securing your data and making sure that your operations are going to, you know, there's resiliency built into their into right. their uh, processes. And then we've got you know the the regulations and making sure that you're compliant with the regulations that apply to your business. That's right. And that you're diligent, um, making sure that you're following the changes in those regulations. Right. You know, the DFS, the Department of Financial Services in the state of New York, has historically made updates and changes. Right. And following them, making sure that you you know you remain compliant, um, and that you're did you know you're vigilant of what's coming in the future, whether it be CMMC or or anything else to your particular industry, right. and then again, you know, as I said, you know, continue that drumbeat of, of training because I think you've got, um, you know, the human factor causes ninety plus percent of what goes bad, right? Um, and if you can, you know, if you can minimize that risk, if you can mitigate the risk at the point of attack, which is the human, you know, that, then you you've know, taken you, big steps. You're taking a big step forward. And, and finally, I, I can't forget it is cyber insurance. That speaking of mitigating risk. It's a way of offloading some of the, the financial risk that your organization faces, understanding that there's changes uh, afoot, making sure you're working with your brokers to make sure the policy fits for, for your organization, et cetera. All right. Um, we're getting close to the end. I know we typically do harbors at the end. I'll go first and give you time to think about one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I had the privilege of attending the uh, Army-Navy game again this year, so I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go, go with, Navy beat Army? No, go Army beat Navy. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, not, maybe not the case this year. Though. I'm going to go with Hoboken, New Jersey. Um, you know, Hoboken, New Jersey sits right on the Hudson. Uh, you get a beautiful view of the Statue of Liberty. Um, you know, the W Hotel was was perfect, packed with uh, a whole bunch of Army guys, you know, who graduated and served in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and, and we actually went to... Uh, a place called the Wicked Wolf on Friday night before the game. Wait staff was fabulous. It was a fundraiser for a uh, the Johnny Mac Fund, which uh, helps uh, fallen soldiers' childrens uh, pay for their education. So children, it's children, right? Didn't what I say? Childrens. Okay. Well, that's you know my grammar's poor. <laughs> but the Johnny Mac Fund is is it's a great organization. Uh, the folks at the Wicked Wolf were just outstanding. And while uh, Army did not win this year, um, you know, I think it, the, you know, the, the, the overall match is still pretty close to 50-50. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing rivalry. This, I, I, as I text you that day, like as an Ohio State guy, and understanding the importance of uh, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, that, one, that one's top of the list. Yep. Uh, I will add, across the river, with my family, we were in New York yesterday. We went to... Little Island, which is a, a new park that's been built in the Hudson. It's about two and a half acres. It's amazing. It's a must-see if you're in the city. And then right across the street is Chelsea Market. Um, and in there, there's tons to eat. And I got some main beer while I was there, some some Bissell Brothers beer. So uh, great option. So Perfect. that would be my recommendation. There you go. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it up in the Northeast for the uh, cold yeah, winter. Absolutely. And, you know, in, in January. And wear a mask. <laughs> in January, we'll get back to uh, warm and sunny places. Well, thanks, everyone. Have a great year. Um, Happy New Year. Happy New Year and uh, best wish and success in uh, 2022.
Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. We would also like to thank Tom Marshall for the original music. Yes, that Tom Marshall from Fish fame. Harbor's portfolio of services is designed to meet the cybersecurity needs of small and medium enterprises. We offer a range of services from cyber risk advisory to VCSO consulting to meet specific security requirements without putting a strain on your technology budget. If you like what you heard here, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. We release new podcasts every other week and are available on Spotify and Apple. You can reach us through our website if you have additional questions or suggest a great harbor we should mention on our next show. 